We were talking about on Wednesday night power of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life and a passage that I use that's not in the class books is Romans 15, 13. I had mentioned that Andrea has stenciled that on one of the walls in our home. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about Wednesday night how that our God is a God of hope. And as our God of hope, he fills us with good things. And we are filled to the brim. We are filled with joy. We are filled with peace to the extent that we trust in him, that we put our faith in him. And when we do that, then we overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit who shapes and molds us over time as we apply God's word and depend upon him and learn to walk with him more and more each day. That's a dynamite promise. Filled with joy, filled with peace, overflowing with hope, power of the Holy Spirit attending to that process, dynamite promise. And we can claim it in Christ Jesus. And we want you to claim it to the full. So that your own brim is filled. And you are overflowing with that hope. Another parallel verse to that is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's another one. Those are two refrigerator passages or wall passages as the case may be to bank on to, to write on your heart and to find comfort in times of trial and adversity and Lord knows we live in a, tri a time of adversity I mentioned that this morning and, and, and the, if you weren't here this morning you need to listen to that I think because uh, at least I'm passionate about that idea of using adversity as an opportunity for evangelism. And uh, I encourage you to, to get online and, and listen to that if you can. If you can't get online, I think we can still do the CDs, can we? Maybe <laughs> technology is changing. But a lot of people stressed, and we pointed that out this morning. There are a lot of people that uh, have health worries. This coronavirus thing is paralyzing, I think, the, the nation. We can debate whether it's good or bad, and I think possibly the panic is worse than the disease. But um, uh, people are worried about the economy. Um, stock market uh, kind of went down a little bit the last week or two. Uh, 
um, I can see the travel industry being absolutely bombarded at this point. And there are other, other industries and businesses that uh, are going to be impacted, I think, in the months to come. Uh, there are relationship worries that people have. Uh, loss of, of uh, relationships with loved ones, ruptured relationships, uh, spiritual worries. There are people, uh, Christians, a lot of us, uh, are concerned about our, our spiritual relationship with God. And in a world filled with so much challenge and so much wickedness, it's natural, I think, for Christians to second-guess ourselves, to wonder whether our, our faith is as strong as it should be, or are we weak in faith? Do we lack confidence? Do we give in to temptation too soon? Uh, do we sin when we absolutely should not? And we lose our confidence from time to time. Has that ever happened to you? I've been there many times, and I'm a preacher of the gospel, so I have a pretty good hunch that that's happened to me. As a Christian, uh, we are not perfect, but we serve a perfect Savior who shed some perfect blood. And we need to realize that there is a God of hope who fills us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are problems in this world got an email to the elders this afternoon from Arrigo Carrazza. We recently started supporting Arrigo, and he preaches in Italy. And as you know, probably Italy is like number three on that list of, of uh, current uh, uh, problems with the coronavirus. It's spreading like wildfire there. Um, but I encouraged him privately in an email to hang in there, that our prayers are with him. And... Um, um, May the good Lord protect us all and provide opportunities of service. I said to him, I've long believed that times of intense adversity are also the moments of great opportunity. That's my sermon for this morning. But um, he just says to us, dear brethren in Christ, hope things are well with you all. We are well. I need to update you about the coronavirus situation here in Italy. Respecting my last note about it five days ago, March 3rd, the situation got pretty worse. The government has decided to close the schools and almost every other public activities, even religious ones. I'm reading his Italian English until April 3rd, waiting to see what's going to happen. Two weeks is the course of the infection. For worship services, there are restrictions to follow accurately. We are trying to work it out. No one at church has been infected so far. Our daughter, Deborah, is a nurse in the transplant unit of the hospital in Pisa. He, he preaches in Pisa, Italy, where the Leaning Tower is. Um, she is obviously at risk. Our other daughter, Simona, the mother of little Sarah, uh, works part-time in a pharmacy. Their husbands work as a nurse here in the prison here in Pisa and as a carabinier paratrooper in Livorno. The government has decided to close most part of the north Italy, Milano, etc., because uh, there the virus is making lots of infected. In Tuscany, uh, we are still uh, relatively quiet, but soon the situation will get worse. We can't get closer than a meter, at least about 40 inches anywhere. 
people can't associate anymore anywhere. The virus is radically changing our daily life in Italy. It was not so since World War II. Um, Italy is the third most affected of the whole world, if I understand correctly, but the virus is spreading all over Europe and not only our sophisticated societies are going to realize how precarious is our way of life. Hope people will reflect more on the greatness of God and the misery of man. There's some crazy stories going on around because of the coronavirus panic. A man locked his wife in a bathroom over coronavirus fears. Police had to intervene, but she did not have it. <laughs> There's no need to tell you that the economical picture here is collapsing. Nobody travels, nobody buys, nobody does anything. The government is worried that a massive number of infected would result in not having the possibilities to cure those in need, especially for breathing problems and related machinery. The government is trying to avoid new infections waiting for the peak. Only in this way can we face the situation, even though the percentage of casualties is very limited. This is a very contagious virus that can keep you in hospital for two weeks. Even though we have a good, generally speaking, national health service, we can't afford to have people getting sick together at the same time. Please remember us in your prayers. I will keep you updated. I am still preparing a report of my activity here. I want to make a summary of my preaching in the last years and want to give you a precise idea of what's going on in the Church of Pisa. In this way, you will be more comforted in helping financially my service here. Yours in Christ, Arrigo. I've known Arrigo for 42 or 43 years. I went to school with him at Florida College. He's a really good guy. He treats you and his wife. Um, so I'm going to ask you to pray for me as we go home tonight. Um, tough situation. But we serve a great God who's bigger than any problem that we face. And so, with that in mind, we go back to our text, the Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to practice that with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17. A few weeks ago, I, I preached on Luke 18, the parable of the importunate widow, and that's all prefaced in verse 1 that he gave a, a, uh, a parable uh, for those um, who uh, ought to pray and not to, to lose heart or, or to faint, not always to pray. It's all a matter of perspective, a matter of faith, so that we have faith instead of doubt, and we have confidence instead of fear. We focus on God instead of 
self. Because if we get too self-absorbed, as this world is, when a panic hits, people realize that they're not as tough as they think they are. And they have no God to fall back on if they don't have a relationship with God. And they become very selfish and they panic. Those of us who have a relationship with God, have a covenant relationship with God, have a peace, what the Hebrews would call shalom, that comes with that covenant. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. You cannot fully define it. You cannot fully grasp the depths of it. But we have it nonetheless. This God of hope fills us with all joy and peace as we trust in him, so that we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. All the while, we have these, these amazing promises in Scripture. Amazing promises. Um, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Philippians 4, 19. My God will supply every According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amazing promise. God's storehouse, his treasury, is greater than any need that we have. And he'll supply what we need. David prayed a prayer of confession in Psalm 32, and it's moving. And then God responds to that prayer. He says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We have a personal mentor, a personal coach. He's watching over us every step of the way. He's watching us with his eye upon us. As Jesus gives the great commission in Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. We sing the song sometimes, Be with me, Lord. I cannot live without thee. I cannot bear to take one step alone. And all of these promises and many others in the Bible assure us that this longing that we have for the Lord to be with us is met with the most amazing and assuring promises in all, in all of the Bible. I will be with you. Write that on your heart. You're never alone. Ever, if you're walking with God. God has promised us some just amazing things. He's promised to forgive us of, of every sin. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be this wool. Amazing promise. You can take it to the bank. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God promises to bless his people. The Israelites in this case, but uh, by way of extension, all of us down through the ages. That's a, a blessing you see constantly in the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 verse 2. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice. 
likeness of the Lord your God. And then verse 8, the Lord will command a blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. He will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. He will command the blessing on you. A wonderful promise that God is sitting on his throne and he's giving the command to bless you as his child. Amazing promise. He's promised not only to forgive us and to bless us, but also to, to help us. And Lord knows we all need the help. We realize our, our frailty, our inability, but we're promised in, in, in no uncertain terms that we have a God who will help us every step of the way. Behold, the Lord God comes with his might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. The Lord will lift us up, he'll hold us up, and he'll help us. That's the response that we ought to give to these kinds of promises. The response of faith is found by the psalmist in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, um, as well as Psalm 18, which I have right here. Psalm 18, 1 through 3, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. We need to take all these promises to heart and take our God to heart. If the challenge is big, God is bigger. If the enemy is formidable, God is stronger. If we are down, downcast, God can. Up. And now to Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard me cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear. Put their trust in the Lord. It's a wonderful promise. As Warren Wiersbe interprets this passage, he said, God pulled me up, he set me up, and he tuned me up. I like that. I think that's a good three-point uh, sermon outline. He pulled me up, set me up, and tuned me up. But again, uh, no matter how daunting the challenge, no matter how great the enemy, he who is in you, 1 John 4 and verse 4. And the bottom line is that we are all more than conquerors if we approach God through Jesus Christ. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is, is Romans chapter 8, along those lines of, of the victory that we have in, in Christ Jesus. In uh, verse 31, beginning, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And then down in verses 37 through 39, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor uh, rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So with that in mind, We'll bring all this to a to a close. I cite uh, 
picture of comfort in the midst of coming captivity. There are going to be hard times come to God's people in the Old Testament, Jewish people. But this whole section of Isaiah begins in Psalm 40, or Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. I don't have a ton of faith in human beings, especially worldly human beings. And um, I know when, when something bad hits, we have a tendency to, to minimize the impact, to fall back on safety nets of, of human de devising. Um, I've, I've been using this, this uh, virus thing a lot, maybe way too much, but um, a lot of people will put their faith in the government. Or they'll put their faith in the CDC. I don't. Or they'll put their faith in the World Health Organization. I don't. Or they'll put their faith in the National Institutes of Health. I don't. Or they'll put their faith in the pharmaceutical industry. I don't. Where does our comfort ultimately come from? Comes from God. If you're going to take the view, as many worldly people do, that human beings will fix human problems, then uh, think again. And it, it amazes me that we want human beings, on worldly terms, not to panic over something when they don't have God anywhere near the radar screen of their lives. That doesn't work. The only thing that works in a genuine, real panic is God. I also want to say this. That the ultimate resolutions are not human. They're beyond this life. The object of our faith can be misplaced, but also the time element of our faith can be misplaced. And if you think the resolutions come here and now, your timeline isn't long enough. There may be some tragedies that occur, even with New Testament Christians here. But in the after a while, when all the resolutions are, are made, we have a heavenly home awaiting for us. And we're not pronounced insulation from troubles here, but we are promised glory there. I want you to approach any problem with, with an absolute confidence in God. I'm reminded in light of this morning's sermon about, about evangelistic opportunities during a time of crisis. The Apostle Paul was approaching Jerusalem and there were these funds he wanted to deliver the, the saints in Jerusalem to, to help the poor among them that had been collected over a long period of time from Gentile churches that, that Paul had served as an apostle, preacher. And he was determined to get these funds there so that there might be a cementing of the relationship between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. He wanted desperately to be personally involved in the delivery of that gift. And so they make a stop in Caesarea at Philip's house. And Agabus comes up and uh, 
he says that uh, Paul is going to be bound in Jerusalem and he takes Paul's belt and binds his own hands and feet and says, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will, will bind Paul's, uh, will bind uh, the man who owns this belt, deliver him in the hands of the Gentiles. And Luke writes that, that when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. For the name of the Lord Jesus. And um, the Apostle Paul said, Why, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. That's Acts 21. We're going to sing a closing song in a few minutes. Peace, perfect peace. It was written in 1875, at least the poem, the lyrics to it, uh, in 1875 by Edward Bickersteth. And um, he had, had gone to console a relative who happened to be the Bishop of Liverpool and uh, went to the bedside of his dying relative. And he was so distraught when he saw the condition of this relative that the dying man comforted him, as it so often happens. You go to the hospital, try to comfort someone, you walk away with more comfort than, uh, I hope you've had that experience. I certainly have many, many times. And the bishop gave him Isaiah 23, verse 3, to read. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. And he got to thinking about that passage, and in just a few minutes, he composed these comforting words and read them in turn to the dying man. I think there are about eight or nine verses here. We only sing three of them. But this poem is composed in the form of questions followed by responsorial answers. Peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin, question. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace, perfect peace by thronging duties pressed. To do the will of Jesus, this is rest. Peace, perfect peace with sorrows surging round. On Jesus' bosom, not but calm is found. Peace, perfect peace. Mid suffering, sharpest throws, the sympathy of Jesus breathes repose. Peace, perfect peace with loved ones far away. In Jesus' keeping, we are safe and they. Peace, perfect peace. Our future all unknown. Jesus we know. He is on the throne. Peace, perfect peace. Death shadowing us and ours. Jesus has vanquished death. And all its powers. It is enough. Her struggles soon shall cease. And Jesus calls us. To heaven's.
That's the lesson tonight. You need to respond to the gospel message and enjoy the full brim of peace and joy from the God of hope and overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now would be a good time to obey the gospel and be baptized into Christ. Let's sing the song.